0: Alright, how great is our God? Those songs, sometimes they, they bring back memories of when you first learnt those songs and what God was doing in your life. But how great is our God? I have, my message today is, I was thinking, what is my theme of my messages? You know, when, as a pastor, I was like, I sort of start to evaluate my messages. And it's like, often it's like just encouraging and strengthening the church. Um, that seems to be a bit my slant. And so today, um, my message is called 12 Strong. Who's seen the movie on Netflix, 12 Strong? Wow. It's because you watched Maverick last week and you saw it come up on your list because you watched it probably. No one else has seen it. Two, three, four. I see those hands. You guys are so shy. I just watched it just recently, and the thing is it's if, to, to know the story it was a, a group of twelve men, so led by a, um, captain mitch um, nelson on the on the uh, movie but the, actually the real guy was Mark nutch, but he uh, led these twelve guys into Afghanistan, and it was a month after the nine one one terrorist attacks, and so they were going in to, to join with one of the northern warlords there to Identify the Al Qaeda and the um, what's the other one there? Um, Taliban strongholds, yeah. And and so they had to get in close to these places to give the coordinates to the bombers flying over. And so they were known as the horsemen. So they they would come in with their horses. They'd they'd get in as close as they could, give the coordinates. Then the bombers would come over way up there and drop the bombs, and then pff, carnage. And then they'd go in and clean up. And the thing about this, it was like, these 12 guys were like a band of brothers, you know, they were there because they chose to be there, but they also, um, at, at the start of the movie, I, and this is true, it's a true story, um, but the, the captain says that we're all going to come home, and all 12 of them came home after that mission, and it was like, they were 12 guys on a mission, had a successful mission, and they all came home, and uh, there was something about that story that... that I, don't know, I, I When I started preaching years ago, I used to preach off the end of um, movies all the time, and now I'm starting to do it again, so I'm not sure what's going on. But there was something about the 12 Strong title. Nothing, if I think of nothing else, 12 Strong. And it's like, man, the Bible's got some 12 Strong situations in it. And so today I want to, I'm metaphorically talking about 12 Strong as us being 12 Strong together, being strong together in our faith and in our Christian witness. And so that's what I'm metaphorically, when I'm talking about 12 strong, it's not just 12 of you, it's us being 12 strong metaphorically. One thing, I, I hesitated to think this, I was just thinking, as I was just praying about it, I was thinking, I feel like the church is under a reasonable amount of attack at the moment. Um... <sighs> And when I, when I was saying that word i don 't know when I don't even want to say attack because that sounds really bad, but there 's like there 's enough going against the church right now, what we stand for, what the Bible stands for no you can 't be this you can 't be that you can 't have opinions you can 't have thoughts you can 't have convictions, freedom of speech it 's sort of getting Shut down, unless you're a church, some of the mainstream churches or some of the churches that have, have attracted that negative press, you know, they're sort of getting more criticism now than, say, we are. But I, I just feel that there's a little bit of a groundswell coming where we as a church and as churches, even in our, in our local communities, are going to start to feel the attack of the enemy against the, the, the institution of the church and, and against our faith. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, oh, I don't want to sort of say attack because that sounds like really, you know, serious. But I this is what I read this morning just in my normal morning devotional and it 's in uh, John fifteen it says, "If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you is Jesus talking he 's just mentioned the word hated three times straight away if you were of the world, the world would love its own yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you remember the world the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Hated and persecuted. That's just what I read this morning. And I thought, well, isn't it funny how the, the timing sometimes of seeing something. And so it sort of encouraged me in the, on the what I wanted to uh, speak on this morning. Um, if we're under attack... You know, our belief statements, you know, often what we say, if people read our belief statements, oh, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that. Well, it's in the Bible, we can say it. John fifteen eighteen just says this. Ah, uh, sorry. That's what I just read. Uh, John 13, everything's in John. John thirteen thirty five. By this, this is what 12 strong looks like. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. That's what 12 strong looks like. So we're going to look at twelve strong a bit later on. That's the movie. Who's going to go home and watch the movie this afternoon? It'd be a good time to watch this movie. <laughs> Netflix. And then if we read this one, from that time on, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But but Simon Peter answered him, Lord. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If we unpack this a bit, um, just to talk about communion here, Jesus is just talking to a whole bunch of disciples, and it's not just the 12, it's a whole bunch of them. And he's talking about that he is the Son of God, that he's come from God, he is God. Then he's talking about that you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, metaphorically speaking. And these disciples were listening to this, and they were like, oh, I just don't understand it. And so so, th- so they're all listening to him, but they're getting this. And here, here's the, the key. It says, when, because they went, many of the disciples went back on him and it walked with him no more, the, the, the clue is in uh, verse 61. It says, Aware that the disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And so there's an offence that comes in, and they were offended. They couldn't understand it. And a lot of offence comes because we don't understand what's happening. My son came to me. My oldest son came to me there a couple of years ago. He said, "Dad, I'm not going to get. I'm choosing to not ever get offended." And I laughed at him and his face, just accidentally I laughed. You know how sometimes you laugh because it's like I said, "Good luck." And he immediately got offended with me <laughs> for some reason. He said, Dad, what are you doing like that? I've just said something really good and you've just got offended. You know, you just offended me. But about a year ago, he said, oh, Dad, you know, you know that time where you, you know, laughed at me when I said I wouldn't get offended? He says, You're right. It's impossible not to get offended. I says, I'm always having to check my attitudes and my offenses. I was um, texting someone just recently. How many people have offended people by texting? Oh, my gosh sometimes it's it's not even a bad thing that you do you know you just you 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 text it and next thing you realize that uh uh-oh I got another text back explaining that they felt and I'm thinking oh my gosh so I just went straight up I went I've got to go and see them face to face because I'm not going to try and sort this one out on the phone so I went and saw them and they said oh look I really felt this 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 and I says mate there is there is no truth in that whatsoever no truth there was nothing in my message that was even indicating that. Even if I read my text myself, I still can't figure out how the hang they picked up their fence. But it's because we get offended because we don't understand the big picture. You know, from an eldership point of view, going through COVID, and I know there's a lot of offense because of COVID, but I can tell you one area that we could have been split as an eldership team was how to deal with COVID. And probably in our team of five about to become six, um, if there was one point that we could have been divisive on, was how we were going to manage the COVID outbreak. And people were getting offended everywhere, and it's like, there we, you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If we do this, these people are going to be happy. If we do this, these people are going to be unhappy. And it was like such a, um, a minefield to navigate through, but we get offended because we don't understand the situation. I was reading on Facebook just recently, I think it goes like this, that there was this guy in the library, in the library you got to be quiet, he was in the library looking sad, and the three kids are just running around, just running rack and ruin. They're making a lot of noise, and people are getting agitated, but no one is saying anything. It's like, this guy's not even caring, you know? His kids are running amok, and it's in the library, you should be quiet. And finally, this guy just got a little bit agitated and said, Hey, look, mate, um, you know, your kids are out of control. Can you, can you control them? And the guy looks up and says, Oh, sorry. Are they? Um, yeah, right. Um, their mother just died in hospital an hour ago. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shivers. What can we do? (laughs) See, they got offended because they didn't understand what had happened. Then Jesus said to the disciples, do you not also want to go away? He gave them an opportunity to leave. It says, like, the others don't understand. Do you want to go also? You know, here's your opportunity. But I love what Peter said. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you see that he said, We? We believe. He, twelve strong. He didn't just say, I believe that's you, Jesus. It was twelve strong. He says, We believe, and we believe that you are the Son of Christ. Where else would we go? And that's being 12 strong. You know, he didn't answer for himself. And it's like, you know, when we we do our Christian faith, we're not just asking. We're not only walking for ourselves. We're doing it for those that are around about us. Is that true? Now, why are you here today? Why am I here today? Because I'm here for you guys. I want to be here. I want to encourage you in your walk. And I guess that's why you're here. You want to learn. You want to encourage. You want to encourage others. They stayed 12 strong. They were men on a mission. You've seen that one coming, haven't you, (laughs) Joseph? You think about that. There, I I like the the story of Joseph. Here's another twelve strong. You got twelve brothers and twelve tribes. And so I don't know the word twelve is is powerful or leadership or something, but they were twelve. They were not twelve strong in Canaan. That's where they were living at the time. Because what happened is the the older brothers sold Joseph into Egypt. So there was only eleven of them. So they weren't twelve strong in Canaan because there was one missing. But God had prepared a way for them by getting Joseph sold, which seemed all wrong, but ended up being all right, because when the, tw- the 11 brothers went to Egypt and ended up settling there, they became 12-strong in Egypt. And so my point here is, 12-strong was not for Canaan. It was for Egypt. God had a plan and a plan to get them there. In Canaan, they were a family in Egypt, they became a nation. And it's like sometimes, you know, we, we look at the little picture. You know, they would have been a well known family in Canaan, but they became a nation in Egypt because God had a plan. They were 12 strong in the place that He wanted them to be 12 strong. 12 strong is not reserved for a Sunday meeting, it's for our communities out there as well. I know um, we had the decision like probably many of you guys um, and I understand and I know the wrestle when I talk about this so I'm not, there's no judgment here but when our little five-year-old boy James is going to go after school, Calf had the thing, and says, oh, can we just homeschool and it was like, homeschool, we've got three boys running, running around, running amok, you want to homeschool, I'm more concerned about your sanity than your homeschooling and so we had to have a discussion, and I was like, why do you want to homeschool? Because I don't want my boy to get influenced by the world. And it's a true thing. It's like we want our kids to be in a place where they will um, prosper and grow and, and be safe. And yet we've got to release them into the big, bad, old, wide world out there. And I know you know that, that, that thing came true a few weeks later. He comes home, mom. what's a square word? A square word's got four corners. Son, it's four corners. What's a square word? And it's like it started. It's badness. He's getting into square words now. But it's easy to trust God when our kids are at home with us and when they're in our environment because we can see them and we can input into them and we can, they can see what we want them to see and they'll do what we want them to do. But when we release them out there, we've got to trust them. And the thing is, One day they're going to leave home anyway, even if you're homeschool right through to year 13. This is not an anti-homeschool message, sorry, by the way. One day they're going to have to leave home. One day they're going to go to university. One day they're going to get a job in an environment that's not that great. One day they're going to have to, what Dre's been preaching about the last two times he's spoken, is they're going to have to know a resilience in their lives that can stand the storms of life and stand the situations and the pressures that come. And it's, it's like the resilience comes from being there from a young age and, and learning to handle the, the pressure. And our boys, like any of them, they struggled, man. They, their youth, their, I mean, their, their peers were partying and relationships, and, and they were standing strong. And it was like I was really proud of them. Our, our two oldest ones became head pupils of uh, Ellesmere College. And it was like they actually had a leadership role, and they were Christians. And it was like all oh, just because we trusted that God would keep them safe. God would keep them in his care. And, you know, we've got two that are still away from God at the moment, but we just know that they've had the groundwork to come back to. I wasn't going to say that. Where did that come from? <laughs> and so here's, here's another part of it, is that um, the 12 disciples, they, they come, there's 12 of them. Why was there 12 of them? And then they're coming through Samaria, and there's a Samaritan lady at the well. And then Jesus starts talking to her because the guys will go away to find him some food. And when they come back, he's talking to this lady, and it's like, Jesus, (laughs) huh? Samaritan. Dirty. We don't talk to Samaritans. And he just was paving the way for the fact that one day, you know, it wasn't just going to be the Jews that were receiving what he was saying. We all were going to be invited into what God wanted us to be invited to. And he opened it up to the Gentiles. And imagine Peter sitting on that carpet, looking at this rug come down, full of animals, eat, they kill and eat. It's like, what? But the metaphoric meaning, see, another metaphorical thing, is that it's like, it's not just for the Jews. This, is, this God, this Jesus is for everybody. And then you have the story of um, Joshua and Caleb. And uh, 12 spies were sent in to check out the promised land, 12 again, one from each tribe. See, they were 12 strong in Egypt, and now they are 12 tribes. And so these spies, they go into the promised land to check it out, and they came back, and what happened? There was only two strong. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can do it, we can go in, let's go in. And then... The other 10 go, no, we can't. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They will smash us. There's no way that we can do it. And so Israel had to wait another 40 years until they were 12 strong, until the tribes were united in the fact that they could go in and take the land now. And then you had the, the tribes of Dan, uh, Gad and Reuben, Reuben said, hey, look, we want to stay on this side of the river and settle here. But Moses wasn't 100 percent happy about that. He says, "No, no, no, I'm not, not happy, because if we go across, it looks like we're divided because there's some fear in us There's only 10 tribes are facing up. And so they made an agreement. OK, we'll come across, we'll fight with you, and then we'll come back and take our land. They went across 12 strong. They didn't just go across 10 strong. So that's all just laying a bit of a foundation. Um, the mission was successful for them. They took over the land. And so now now we can, I've got the, the how-to, the, the how we learn from this. And so we're going to change tack a little bit here. Here's another scripture um, in Genesis 14. And this, this is um, Abraham, or well, Abram and Lot. Lot has just um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the kings there, the five kings were attacked by four kings. Um, and in the end, the, f- the, the five kings lost, and they took Lot and his people and all his possessions and disappeared into the wilderness. And then, so we'll pick up the story here. A man who escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out to the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative, Lot, and his possessions, together with the woman and other people, Abram returned from defeating that king, and all the kings allied with him. What five kings couldn't do, Abram, with his 318 trained servants, did. And so I want to just use this um, story to uh, point out seven um, points that I picked up at this. You can see about four of them when you read it. But as I was doing it, they kept on growing. Oh, there's another point. And then, then you got five points. Oh, it's a five-point message. And then it's six, and then it's seven. So here goes the, this is how to be 12 strong. So now this is the how-to. This is how we're going to achieve this. First one is, Abr- Abram knew the number of his men he could count on. 318. It was like, that's like us, isn't it? Cornerstone, how many men can we count on, men and women? 318 in Cornerstone. And it's like, he, he didn't say there were about 300 men. He didn't say over, just over 300 men came. He said, "318. He knew the exact number of people he could count on, and I guess that's the question of those around about you: How many people can you count on? Can God count on you? Can you be counted on? You know, we live in a culture today where we don't commit to things. Um, just in case another option comes up, that's a bit better. You know you get these event things come through on Facebook, and they say, "Are you coming? Maybe not going?" And you just watch it until it's screaming at you every day going, are you coming? Are you not coming? Are you figuring it out? Until the last day, it's like, ah! And it's like, well, I just wanted to see if something else is going to come along. That might be better fun to do. And I realized that I have a weakness in this area that I need to commit ahead of time because if the options stay open, then I don't commit. I don't know how many of you guys are like that. Okay, I'm the only one. No, thank you for the honesty over there. There's two, there's one over here as well. But it's, it's, and I can see other people do it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You see all these people have been invited and there's only the handful of beavers that have gone, yes, coming. And everybody else is like, well, just hold fire, hold fire, hold fire, hold fire, hold fire, until it's screaming at you. Then you decide, no, nah, I can't come. He knew the number of his men, three hundred and eighteen. Man, I tell you what, it is a valuable thing to know that you can count on people. Second, they were servants. Like if you compare them to David's four hundred men, who were mighty warriors. Now you expect when you got the tag "mighty warriors," you expect warriors, don't you? But here they were his servants. You know, often in church, you know, our service gets stuck with a mentality that that's what I do. I just serve. But there are natural giftings and spiritual ministries, and we, both, and we have both of them, and they're both important. As we serve with our natural giftings, ministry opportunities open up. I, just don't, I have not seen people who just jump into ministry without first laying the, the, the groundwork through commitment, dedication, um, loyalty. Through the groundwork, ministry opens up. If you just want to, st- how many people I've seen the people that just come in, I, I want ministry, give me ministry, give me a job, I want this, I want that, and they never get it because they want it too much. You know, you, we've all seen those ones. It's like, just relax and it'll come. You just get involved, serve somewhere. Okay, third one. They were trained. As Warren says, the great prophet Whitebeard over here says, I'm still learning. And he's 80 this year and he's still learning. When he first did that, this is about five years ago, when he said that with a big laugh, I thought, I like this man because he's real and honest about the fact that he still gooses it up and he's in the same camp as me, which is nice. We're always looking for opportunities to grow. Jesus' last words to the disciples were go and make what? Disciples. And so. To be to make disciples means that to be made a disciple means that there is a growth factor in that, and one of our um, cornerstone cornerstones is growing. And so, how many how many people like can remember being a being a kid and having growing pains? How many have had kids with growing pains? And it's like, do you go? Oh, I hate growing pains. Growing pains are terrible. Oh, I wish the kids didn't have to have growing pains. No, you don't. It's great that your kids are having growing pains. It might mess up your sleep and and mess your life up a little bit. But if they didn't have growing pains, they're not going to grow. And same as spiritually speaking too, is that um, pastoring or leading a church is not about event planning. It's about growing people. And so I know that there's going to be people sitting here today that you feel that little push, that little push that... You can grow bigger, you can do more, you can get more involved, and, and, and it's your choice to go, but I don't want to." Yeah, <laughs> don't push me. don't push me." You know You laugh because you know it. And it's like we need to be pushed, because if we settle, then we don't come into what God has for us. And growing pains are that that, that it's like, "Oh, I'm uncomfortable. It's OK to be uncomfortable because that's what we're growing. we're growing. And it's a good thing. The fourth one, they were armed. Um, When needed, we're armed. We're ready for purpose. You know, I I know it's funny when people say, oh, I've got to get the pastors to come and pray through my house. Or, oh, yeah, this person's got a problem. You know, they've got a broken arm or something. Can you pray for them? Or... And it's like they come to the elders, the pastors, or the leaders, or the ones that seemingly have some sort of spirituality, and say, "Can you help?" But but the thing is, we're all equipped for this. You know, what say the pastors aren't around and you have a a situation to pray into? What do you do? It's like, oh, we can't do that. Sorry, sorry, can't pray for you today because Dre's not here. Um, You'll just have to suffer for another week. He might be back next Sunday. It sounds, it's easy to laugh, but, you know, as far as miracles and healings and deliverance and, and uh, breakthrough and uh, anything, you, you can do it. I like what Danny says, you know, like sometimes we get people to turn and pray for somebody. And he says, oh, Lyndon, I hate you when you do that. I hate you. But he says, oh, it's good for me. Oh, man, I can feel myself growing, growing pains in that man right there. And I see it in Connect Group. There's growing pains in him. It's awesome. Often the person that looks the least like the warrior in the church is the warrior. I remember when I first went to church, when I first got saved, in our church we had a little old lady called Sadie West. And literally she was little, and a little white-haired lady. But by goodness, she was an, intersex, an intercessor. And she would be at every prayer meeting. She'd be having prayer meetings during the week and on Monday nights. And, but that she wasn't just an intercessor, she was an encourager. And boy, did she encourage me. She was one, she was always praying for me, always, oh, Lennon, that was awesome. Ah, oh, just just go, you be you. She was just always so encouraging. She was like, I, I know, I'm probably standing up here today because of her. Because she would be so proud, she's passed away now, but she would have been so proud to see me finally become a pastor, because she probably is one of the ones that prophesied it in the first place. But I know that in heaven, she'd be looking down going, you go, you you go there, boy, you go there. Warren called me a young fella before when we were praying. We just prayed for these young fellas. I thought, man, you've got to be 80 to call me a young fella. But she'll be up there just cheering me on. She'll be the cloud of witnesses going, go, Lyndon, go, Lyndon. Look, I love what you're doing with Pastor Dre and the team. I love it. Just, ah, oh, you're so exciting that you're doing something in Rolleston, you know? Yeah. Fifth one. They were born in his house. Each of us has, each church has its own identity or its own DNA. And we shift from being a visitor, visitor to family when we become part of a local church. Now, when I say that there, a lot of you will know when you switched from being a visitor to being part of the family. If you, can, anybody, can you think of that when it happened? For me, it happened fairly early on. You know, the, Our, our uh, the church of these lovely older people here, actually, these older people here, they are the Willie fans. Did you notice that? When he song leads, he sings an older song, and all these guys clap and cheer him. Well, they used to do that for me before Willie came along. <laughs> but now these guys here, <laughs> these guys, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh. The, the, um, they carried a DNA of the church. It was their church when we came along. I remember Michelle saying to me, oh, it's so good to have you young ones come and take, carry the load and do things. So we've been doing it for years, for years. And, and I'm like, honey, do you know how old I am? <laughs> it's like, I'm not that young. I think she was talking about Dre and Hannah and Jordan and Elliot because they were the team then. But I remember just the way that Kath and I were embraced as we came in. We switched from visitor mode to family very quickly. And it's, don't forget that point because when you're family then you, you share the load, you, you, share, you, you get involved, you do stuff, you hang out with the family and it's important to actually make that transition. We had, with the staff meetings, we go through the phone book every now and then it's hilarious what happens. We're having squabbles. Oh, no, they're not coming anymore. Take them off. Take them off. Yep, yeah, they're gone. Take them off. As soon as we do that, next week they turn up again. So the next time, put them back on. Put them back on. Don't want to offend them. Put them back on. Quick. Next time around, nah, take them off again. It happens. There's, there's a few families that just keep appear every time you adjust the phone book. But that's not being family because we don't know where the family is. You know, I know where my family is, but we sometimes don't know where our family is. Sixth one. Can I have the musicians up? I like the pitter patter of rain on the roof. It's more like a torrential downfall, but I've got two more to go. As we they led. And it says this. He attacked them, Abraham Abram and his servants, he divided his men and attacked. They are being led, but they are also leadership taking on leadership responsibility. Because as soon as he Abram leads his men out. That's true. But when he gets there, he divides his men and then they attack. So when he divides them, there's obviously leaders of the divisions that do the attacking. And they rout the enemy. They just destroy the enemy. Remember, four kings that took, four kings, yeah, four kings, yeah, four kings that beat five kings. And then 318 trained servants beat them. They take leadership responsibility, and it doesn't matter what area in church you are—you are leaders. And Dre and I, as pastors, we don't do all the leading. That would be a big job. <laughs> the um, Dre's more of a leader than me. Dre's uh, the lion; he's the leader lion. I'm the otter lion, so I'm—I'd rather have fun. So he takes the responsibility; I have fun. If he's not there, then i have to step up and be the lion because I'm also a retriever, so I'm loyal and committed. But don't try and find the beaver in me. There ain't no beaver in me. It is very minute. That's why I married a beaver, all right? Key to young ones that aren't married yet, marry your opposite. It's a good thing. Mario and and, uh, Nathaniel are laughing now. Two lions in a household. It is fun. Our our son and daughter-in-law are both lions as well. And it's fun. But you get to work with what you've got and you make it work. And the seventh one. They were united. We accomplish more united than we do divided. Um, And I guess probably my biggest heartache through COVID was that I saw people dividing because of the controversy and, and how things were dealt with and what your stance was and and I I just know that offense came in to people's lives for, for in that season and it was like it wasn't it was it was a season that we was unavoidable in many ways and I guess to be really honestly serious dead serious now is that we need to get over our fences of that season we need to get over the offences of the last season, of a former season. If we want to go forward in God, we've got to get over that and move into the new thing that God has. These guys were united. They were united. And when they came back with the, all the possessions, the wives and the kids and the livestock and all the stuff, you imagine what um, Abram's people, the rest were there, would have thought. It would have been huge celebrations that, yeah, they're back. Why? Because they were 12 strong. They were 12 strong. It's, it's, if nothing else about the message that you can remember or, or take home today, just remember 12 strong, that it's an attitude of heart, that we are committed to God in a way that we support one another, that we support this house, that we get in and encourage people, that we, when, when ones are going through stuff, we go through it with them because we're 12 strong. You know, Jesus gathered 12 men around him who could have ditched when they didn't understand stuff, but they decided that they're going to hang in and and stay 12 strong. And so this morning, go home and watch that movie, 12 Strong, and see what it is when you come together. There's something that unites our hearts when we come together as 12 strong, metaphorically speaking. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.